Welcome to This Grit and Grace Life. You've got questions, we've got answers. From the boardroom to the bedroom, car lines to college, single, married, or single again, we're bringing real answers to help you live and love your grit and grace life. Welcome to This Grit and Grace Life. I'm Darlene Brock. And hey girl, hey, I am Julie Bender. So Julie, I know we've mentioned it before and in some of our podcasts about some of our relationship with our moms and... Our mama drama? Yeah, that. <laughs> Didn't we actually call our very first episode about moms and daughters mama drama? Because I feel like that was appropriate. Yeah, it kind of was. And gosh, you just reminded me our very first episode we recorded like five years ago. That's a long freaking time. It's a yeah, it it's like is a mini and, lifetime. Yeah, it is a huge lifetime, and you know, thus the wrinkles that I've developed in the you know aging process. It's five years. We're going to talk today about uh, mother-daughter relationships, ours with our mothers, and then mine with my daughters and you, who she hadn't arrived yet, but probably by the time this comes out, she's going to be here. Weird. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm sure we'll have a beautiful, undramatic relationship. JK, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there will be a lot of that little drama thrown in. Um, but before we go there, I, I think we need to look a little bit into the fun facts about mother-daughter relationships. Okay, well, according to the Journal of Neuroscience, the mother-daughter relationship is known to be stronger than other parent-offspring relationships. So what do they do? Gauge brain waves between moms and daughters? I Talk about know, your mom? But like that just really initiates some serious mom guilt that I'm going to be closer to my daughter than to Lincoln. Thanks for starting me off there. <laughs> this should go in interesting places. All right, let me give you the flip side of that. In a 2013 study in the relationship between teenage girls and their mothers, it found that in a year, the average teenage girl will cry over a boy 123 times, slam doors 164 times, have 257 fights with brothers and sisters, and fall out with their friends 127 times, despite spending 274 hours on the phone with them. Well, okay. that is discouraging slash entertaining. I don't, I don't <laughs> yeah. know. And so what's going to happen when this little one turns into a teenager for you? Lincoln's going to come up, put his arm around you and go, it's going to be okay, mom. It's going to be okay. What's so funny is because my personality is so like, I only live in the moment. Uh -huh. I don't really think ahead. Until reading this outline, I hadn't really thought about the fact that Reverie will eventually be a difficult teenager. But it's fine. It's totally fine. It's uh -huh. a long way away. Right. All right. Regardless of whether they are left or right-handed, human moms tend to cradle their babies on the left side of their bodies. I just loved that it said human moms because instantly I thought of monkey moms. Like, well, does that mean monkey moms do right side? I wonder if there is a survey of that. There probably is somewhere. <laughs> but that is interesting. I'll be curious to see if Lincoln tries to hold her toward the left or the right, although he is left-handed. So. Huh. Yeah. The fetal heart races faster when hearing its mother's voice versus a stranger's voice. A mother's voice also eases older children's stress as much as a real-life hug. Well, that's precious. Okay, well, I, I'm going to put a disclaimer in that. Unless you have a teenage daughter, your voice does not help them whatsoever at that point. That's so funny. And what about when they're teenagers? Did you find it even harder to hug them since you're not a huggy person? <laughs> <laughs> 
was kind of a reprieve. They didn't want to be hugged, man. <laughs> like, oh, thank God. I don't even have to try to do that. <laughs> well, there are roughly 82.5 million mothers in the United States, more than 2 billion worldwide, and approximately 4.3 babies are born every second. What in the actual? Uh, 4.3. That's odd. That is that point three <laughs> child. <laughs> That's a lot of babies. That's a lot of babies. We're going to talk a little bit today about the relationship between a mom and a daughter specifically. And, you know, there's there's nothing, obviously, there's nothing more natural and close than the relationship, but there's often something really dysfunctional as well. Yeah, I mean, as we've hinted at, you know, you and I both have had our own roadblocks in our relationships with our moms and so we want to kind of make sure we relate to other women who maybe see the hallmark (laughs) picture of how (laughs) it supposedly is with all moms and daughters and that's not necessarily true that is definitely a stereotypical picture but there is certainly hope for that bond to be strengthened so we just kind of want to talk about how to make a relationship between you and your daughter or you and your mom better but also kind of sharing some of our own personal experience as well. Yeah, and what triggered this for me is last Mother's Day, I did a podcast with Dr. Zoe, which if you haven't listened to hers, you need to, about my relationship with my mom. And, you know, if you want a real unpacking of that, do it there. I'm not going to go that deep now. But, you know, I want to start with Julie. I know you've shared different elements of the relationship with your mom, especially growing up and how challenging it was. So let's let's recap that a little bit. Why don't you go back in time? Yeah, it's funny that you even mentioned the episode with Dr. Zoe. Well, of course, we will link that in the show notes. Um, and you, then you asked me if I did a Mother's Day episode on my show this year. And I didn't because honestly, last year I tried to do one when my <laughs> show was brand new. I was like, I'll have my mom on. This will be so great. And um, I ended up having to scrap that episode because... Honestly, sitting down to talk with my mom, um, it really just kind of unearthed that there was still so much healing that needed to take place. Honestly, not necessarily between she and I, but more healing for herself through, you know, the issues that she still carried, you know, shame over the fact that she wasn't a present mom in my life and in any of my siblings' lives. And that was because she was addicted to drugs and had a lot of, a lot of childhood dysfunction of her own ultimately I you know as a 30 something year old woman I can see now that so much of what led her to her struggles was because of what she didn't get from her own you know parents as a child and how that really affected her and therefore affected my relationship with her and my siblings as well and so I didn't know my mom growing up I didn't what I knew of her was that she was addicted um, and unstable and unable to be a positive presence in my life. And yet I kind of always had this desire to one day get to know her, whatever that might look like. And so thankfully, you know, I was able to develop a relationship with her when I was in high school. Um, We definitely talk a lot about this in some of my kind of story episodes that we've done on this podcast before. I guess we'll link those as well. Um, But it was a, you know, complicated road. I didn't get to know my mom until I was already an adult. And honestly, because I wasn't raised by my mom, I feel like I became an adult a lot earlier than maybe the average child does. And so that is a super duper snapshot of my mama drama. Yeah, and you did. You became an adult young because you were you were raised by a great grandmother 
because your mom was absent. And I know you have rebuilt your relationship with your mom. You know, what, what turned the corner on that? I'm, I think our listeners would want to know. Yeah. I mean, I think it's very interesting. Something I have been able to kind of discuss with my younger sister. Um, I have (laughs) three sisters, two of which that I really knew about, um, one that I grew up with and one that I didn't. And so the one that I grew up with, she and I are the closest of my siblings. And yet growing up, we had a very different perception of, you know, that, that absence, you know, the abandonment affected us differently. Um, and I could go into a laundry list of my beliefs of why that is. And as I've gotten older and recognized that, you know, no two people's experiences are going to come out the same in their own, in their own life because of our personalities and in the way we perceive things and the way we experience things emotionally is just ultimately different. So as much as Katie, my younger sister and I grew up in the same home, we viewed our circumstance with our mom differently. And then with our granny, you know, our great grandmother who was raising us. And so I, for some reason, never had animosity toward my mom when we were growing up. Hmm. Um, I just always had this idea that, if I ever got to meet her one day, I would want to make the most of it. And so, you know, those first couple of times I got to be around her, she was, she was a hot flaming mess. Um, and that was not the phrase we use then. And we kind of jokingly <laughs> use it now, but she really was. I mean, she, she just cried and tried to apologize. And, and I would, I remember I was like 13 and being like, I don't really understand what you even are apologizing before, because I don't really understand mm-hmm what your reasons are. Um, but I can remember even being 13 and just saying to my mom, I don't want to spend time doing this. I'd rather just try to pick up from where we are and move forward. And so miraculously, I believe it was God in me giving me the ability to offer grace that she didn't deserve, but also I don't deserve, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think it really was the fact that God just put that in me at a young age because he was part of my life. Um, you know, the, the absence of a parent, led me to, um, you know, that, that father image of God. And that was so attractive to me and so important to me that I was willing to extend that grace kind of blindly, which allowed us to eventually have a relationship. What's interesting though now is I would say my relationship with my mom is not as strong as my younger sisters. So as much as she was, you know, kind of standoffish toward getting to know my mom, they are so similar. It's crazy how similar they are. <laughs> now that you know we've all kind of reconnected and built relationships, I would say they're closer. Um, and that's just interesting. Yeah, it is. And that's okay. There's nothing Absolutely, wrong with that. Because sure. every child builds a relationship with their parent in the way that is within the personality of both the child mm-hmm. and the parent. Mm-hmm. And I think different dynamics, even at different times, are part of the process. I think definitely having my own kids too was a big factor in, you know, kind of changing the dynamic between my, my mom and I, um, you know, and just kind of knowing there, there were things missing in my life that now that I have kids, I can see it differently, um, and kind of give space for that. And also just be willing to, this is a new opportunity. This is a new generation. Let's just push forward instead of focusing so much on the past. I know we're going to talk a little bit more about how our individual motherhood was affected by our moms, but I think that that also played a role in kind of the mending of our relationship. For sure. For sure. Mine, my mom was always present, daggone it. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, uh, she was there the whole time. And when I was little, mm. she was really delightful. Mm. She did projects with me, taught me how to sew, did all did all the stuff. And then it was as if there was a magic wand. And it wasn't that she changed. It was that I turned 11 or 12. Mm. And suddenly I didn't think my mom liked me. And in fact, she never... It was all negative. Mm. It was all negative. What I couldn't do, what I didn't do, what I wasn't capable of. I had constant negative input. And, you know, for me, being the person that I am, Mm. my reaction was, well, you know, forget you. If you're going to tell me that I am this sinner person, then daggone it, I'm going to sin well. Mm -hmm. So I I had a very dysfunctional, angry Mm -hmm. relationship with my mom. I wasn't seeking to build it. I was seeking to escape it. Mm my entire upbringing and in fact left home two weeks after I got out of high school just to be away from my mother. Yeah. So, you know, mine was a little bit different and, you know, through the years we I created my boundaries and we found a way to coexist and I found a way to care for her in a way that I could function, that I could do it well but not continue to be harmed because we did, we never really reconciled. Mm. But I chose to be the daughter that I hoped one day my daughters would treat me in the same way. I don't know how I've never asked you this before, but I, I guess I've never heard you say that in that way that, you know, it was, it was more positive until you kind of hit what we would call like those challenging years that are, you know, stereotypically challenging between a mom and a daughter. Did she treat you differently than she treated your brother? Yes. Yeah. The whole time or starting then? Uh, No, my mom was pretty negative the whole time. She kind of had those negative quips for whomever was around too long. Um, But he was a little more oblivious to it than I. And maybe that's the female to female Mm -hmm. understanding. Or you hear the words behind the words Mm -hmm. where men generally don't. Uh Um, so it, it was true of me, but what was ironic is my nieces who hit that age before my daughters did, she was the same way toward them. Interesting. She thought they were great little granddaughters until they turned that age. And then she could only point out what they wore wrong, what they said wrong, what they did wrong, mm-hmm. how they should be different. And I, I don't, you know, I can't go back in time and analyze her, but there was some switch that turned with her at that point when girls made it to that age I know that your mom passed away she did and how long has that been now two a little over two okay um and that's when you started to feel more comfortable kind of sharing more in detail about the difficulty we'll link that episode and like you said with Dr. Zoe but I think you know we've kind of given these snapshots of what it was like with our own moms and then how that impacted the way that we wanted to parent our own children and now I have a little girl to, you know, be thinking about replaying some mother-daughter dynamics or recreating mother-daughter dynamics as a result of our experience. So let's try to talk a little bit more about that. I mean, obviously you're passionate about Raising Great Girls. There's <laughs> a book with that title authored by you. So tell me, what are some of the things that you purposefully tried to do differently as a result of your experience? It was almost as if I came into raising daughters going, whatever my mom did, I'm not. Mm -hmm. Whatever she didn't do, I'm doing, Mm -hmm. you know. And Mm -hmm. the fact that she didn't encourage or praise or support me, Mm -hmm. I probably lavished that on my daughters. And, 
you know, in addition to that, she never knew who I was. Mm. She never mm. got to know Darlene. She had a perception of me. And through our entire relationship, that never changed. So I decided that I was going to know my daughters. Mm. I was going to listen to them. I was going to find out what they thought, why they thought it, who they were, because they were each different. Yeah. And what that meant in their growing up and in their future. Yeah. I think that's so incredibly important. And I think that either subconsciously or intentionally, we probably all do that on some level. Even just as you're saying that, I was thinking about how I can see that Donnie is like that with Lincoln. Like very much he is so driven by not recreating you know, negative things that he experienced with his dad. And I think that's a powerful um, influence in our mothering. With that being said, will you give us maybe a couple specific you know, examples of what that looked like? as you parented your daughters, especially as I am currently trying to figure out, right, well, right now I'm trying to figure out breastfeeding and sleeping, you know, as this is coming out, like that's my number one concern, (laughs) which will not be my focus forever. I'm going to need to care a little bit more about, you know, the emotional impact I'm making on her and how to, like you said, know her. So what are some specific things that you would recommend? Mm, I think there, there are a couple of scenarios that I know were created in my relationship with my daughters. One being, I wanted to do special things for them. I mean, I worked insane hours and traveled a lot when they were growing up, which ladies, I'm not necessarily recommending it. If it's your (laughs) world, do it. If it's not, don't, you know, choose your own route of motherhood. But for me, that still meant I had to do things that mattered with them, like, They wanted a Halloween costume that didn't exist, so I had to figure out how to sew one or put one together or Mm -hmm. bake a cake that didn't exist. And so I was determined to make those special things in their life and create those special moments that matter to them. But then the other thing, Julie, I think is really important is when they disappoint you, and trust me, they will. They will disappoint you. They will go down roads that you wish they didn't. They will make decisions that you know will harm them. When they disappoint you, still tell them they're great. Still see in them the wonder of who they are, the, the child you got to know. And encourage that. Support that. Don't be the person who constantly points out their mistakes. Quite the opposite point out their success, point out who you know they can be and help them go there. I know we talk a lot about, you know, kind of creating in our relationship with our daughters, what wasn't there in our relationship with our own moms. And I think that that's a big motivator and, you know, one of the best things that we can do, you know, we recognize what that absence created in our own individual self-identity, insecurities, you know, struggles, and we want to fill those gaps to give them a better shot. Things like being present <laughs> instead mm, of absent. Something you didn't have. I mean, for sure. I mean, I I can see it so clearly. I mean, I feel like the last couple months, even of my pregnancy, it's like I, I was subconsciously preparing for this new person to come, and I, I really felt like there was almost emotional attack of feeling the, the absence and 
the the abandonment I experienced in both my parent relationship and even in my first marriage that I was like, ah, can I do this? Like I started to feel like legitimately crazy again. Sure. Yeah. Um, just knowing that this is a really freaking big deal, that there's a new person coming into this family and I want her to have an incredible experience. And so, you know, knowing that I want to be there for her and to hear her and to be a presence in her life is such an important influence of how I want to do this thing differently. Again, because you missed that, you know how important it is. Mm-hmm. You know what a difference it make will make in your little girl's life. Mm-hmm. And it will. And I, I want to step back and go, of course you could do it, Julie. Of course <laughs> you're going to do great with this child. Not perfect. Not all right. You're not going to make, you're not going to be absent of mistakes, but mm-hmm. you will. You absolutely will be a great mom. Mm-hmm. I think one of the lessons that you repeatedly say to anyone who will listen to you, and rightly so, is to embrace the truth, you know, that God purposefully pairs you with your child. Um, and that, you know, even though you'll have those insecurities and thoughts of I'm not doing it well or I'm not doing it good enough, or in our case, you know, we have those negative thoughts of recreating the cycles that we're desperately trying to avoid. But the truth is, is we have what it takes and that we do, we do, you know, have within us the ability to meet the needs of our child because God gives us what we need specifically for our child. Talk to me a little bit about how you know that's true and what a mama might need to hear. Mm. Um, Because there aren't any mistakes in this, Julie. There aren't any mistakes in you having your daughter, me having mine, and every listener out there, you know, having a child that's in their life. There's no mistake with it. Your talents, your abilities, your strengths will be what it what is needed for theirs. Now that does not mean they're going to be identical mm-hmm. because you you know you could be this corporate person who, you know, business has been your track in life and then you have this daughter who wants to go raise organic food mm-hmm. and live on the farm. Well, you know <laughs> what? That's okay. You could still raise that child mm-hmm. because it's more about investing in them becoming who they are supposed to become. And every mother can do that. Every mom can pull that one off, even if you don't completely understand the road that they want to go down. I know one thing that we've also probably talked about before is that even though we didn't have, you know, this incredible model to follow from our own moms, we were more inspired by what they didn't do is what we want to do. But we also likely are surrounded by people that we can model our parenting after. Like, for example, I'll model my parenting of my daughter after the way that you have cared for your daughters. Um, how do we how do we do that? How do we look outside of our own tunnel vision of our own experience and look for inspiration and mentors of other moms that we admire? Mm, well, it's like anything else you try to tackle. You go look for the person who's doing it well. Mm. You look for the person who you go, and you you may have to dig deep because sometimes on surface, we all look like we got it together. The child's (laughs) clean and, you know, she's got a good outfit on and she's saying, yes, ma'am, or whatever you expect from her. Um, But you may have to go deep because you want to see that child flourishing. And those are the, those are the moms you talk to. And if you're in a scenario where you're going, I don't know how to deal with what I'm dealing with right now. Find a mother that's already gone through it. Mm-hmm. One that's already hit the battle successfully, failing sometimes, but in the end, they worked it out. So, you know, look around. There's nothing better than a mom who has already 
traverse the road that you're on. I know um, this is where I'm going to do the thing that I used to be really good at and plug (laughs) gritandgracelife.com. I mean, we have literally an entire tab on the website that is filled with motherhood articles. Some of them are just going to be funny, you know, stories that are heartwarming, but others are going to be really practical, specific struggles or, you know, milestones that other moms have been through that you can glean from. And so I want to just remind you that that resource is there, but you're right. If you look around, there are mothers that you admire how they're doing the thing. And maybe not in every single area, because I know I'm not a model (laughs) example (laughs) of all things, but there are a couple of things that people tend to look to me for. And, and, and you are that to somebody else as well. And so the, the picture of, you know, finding community around motherhood is so important and also maybe an undertapped resource for some of us. Yeah. And don't fault that mom for a moment in time. You know, uh, trust me, in public, I did yell at my daughters, okay? <laughs> like once or? <laughs> oh, more than once. Probably, uh, you know, two or three times or a lot more than that. There were times where I probably looked like not the stellar mom. Um, so, you know, don't mistake the mom for the moment. See the consistency because that also tells you that even though they're capable of blowing it, they're capable of getting it right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think, you know, we've talked about this a lot of, it's important to get inspiration from other moms, but also know that no one's perfect and that you cannot recreate being exactly like someone else. You can draw inspiration and ideas and tips and encouragement, but also counter that and filter that through really truly believing that you are the mom for the job with your kiddos. Um, and really just purposefully trying to, to walk daily in that truth. And when you mess up, every freaking day to give yourself (laughs) grace and say, but my heart is in the right place. Yeah. Um, And, you know, and I have a deep love and admiration and um, purpose in parenting this little girl well. Well, and can you, you and I have had one side of the coin. Can you imagine growing up with the perfect mom, the mom (laughs) who did it all right, loved you well, you know, Mm. did whatever you needed And then going, (laughs) (laughs) but as you're saying it, I could see that there's a whole different set of struggles there. Yeah. Can I be like her? No, Mm. there's no way Mm -hmm. I'm not, you know, and the reality Mm. is, and I think if you're grown up enough and your, your mom's willing to talk about it, she'll probably tell you some of the things that she thought in her head Mm -hmm. and she wanted to do that maybe she did or didn't. And you can kind of get her off that pedestal. (laughs) Um, But if you have that mom, that doesn't mean you're not going to be equally a great mom that that should not put doubt in you that you can't do it you just have been blessed with a great example so true i think an interesting way to end this episode would be for us to each give maybe our today today advice you know because let's, let's be real i'm <laughs> recording this before this baby's actually in my arms <laughs> oh, oh, anxious thought okay yeah it's back it, in the moment when um, it comes out that you're going to be not sleeping maybe but you'll have that little girl uh-huh. Um, but what is maybe some of your sagest or most, you know, from the heart advice that you would give to a mama listening to this episode? Uh, I, you know, I say this a lot, so it may become, you know, tiresome, but I hope not. Perfection. Don't expect it. Don't try to be it. Don't think that it's even the right thing to do. 
because there are no perfect moms, there are no perfect daughters. And if you're trying to pretend to be that, whether it's on, you know, Pinterest or Instagram or whatever, I, I just want you to throw up your arms and say, I'm, I'm going to quit that because it's not real. Mm-hmm. And don't expect that of yourself mm-hmm. because you're not going to be that. And again, neither is your daughter. Neither is your little girl. You do not have, you are not birthing a child who can walk on water. You are birthing a real human being with her own challenges and her own nature. And that's okay. That's kind of the, those are the bumps in the road that make you both better, greater, and your relationship stronger. Amen, my friend. Okay, what about you, Julie? Well... With my significant motherhood (laughs) experience. I mean, okay, so I haven't had a daughter for very long yet, um, but I have been mothering for eight years now. And I think for me, it's the idea that it's never too late to start over. Um, I think something that I do a lot with Lincoln, and I assume I'll have to do with Rev as well, is I'm sorry. I messed up there. Um, Really being willing to own when I mess up apologize, ask for forgiveness. And then as Donnie always says, turning to turn it around, you know, um, Mm -hmm. owning it, apologizing it and turning it around, showing that, like you said, none of us are perfect, but that also, you know, no bad moment is going to ruin our relationship forever. So I think it's really going first with being honest, uh, that you, you're not perfect. And that teaching, teaching that apologizing is one of the biggest parts of a healthy relationship. See, Julie, you're ready for this girl. <laughs> you're ready to be the mom to this little sweet <sighs> child. <laughs> well, I hope just our reflections and, you know, kind of the road we went down with our moms and our hopes for our daughters and what we want to invest in them make you think about you. What what do you want and what experience are you drawing from and where do you want it to go? Mm-hmm. Yeah, just because we didn't have the perfect you know, sitcom relationship with our moms, or you likely don't either, doesn't mean that we can't have a great relationship with our daughters. And we certainly hope that this episode reminds you of that truth and just gives you a little bit of hope and encouragement. Do you have a verse for us about parenting here, Dar? Well, I do. And, you know, it's kind of a sideways one, but I think it works (laughs) because one of the things I know that you and I, Julie, want very badly in our children, and for me now my grandchildren, is that they, they have a faith, a genuine faith. And the thing is, we can help. We can't ensure it, but we can help instill it. And there are a couple of mothers and a grandmother, or a mother and a grandmother that did this. So in 2 Timothy 1.5, I remember your genuine faith. This is talking about Timothy from Paul. For you share the faith that first filled your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice, and I know that the same faith continues strong in you. So there's a heritage, moms, that you can pass on to your kids, and it is the most valuable one, and that is of their faith. I love that. Well picked on the verse this episode, Dar. Well, mamas, we love you, we believe in you, and we just want to remind you that you have all of the grit and the grace that it takes to be the best mama to your little girls, okay, and boys. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of This Grit and Grace Life. Make sure you've subscribed and rated and reviewed the show so more friends can find us. You can also share about this episode on your social media or send it to a friend you think it could help. 
You can find everything we talked about in this episode on our website, gritandgracelife.com, where you'll also find plenty of other articles from other women answering questions you may have.